This evening we want to continue our study from last Sunday night. We're talking about God's purpose for money. And this month we are emphasizing stewardship as we do each year in January. And a few, I think you had a worksheet in your bulletin this morning. If you don't have one of those, the guys may have some extras. If you'll wave your hand at us, we'll get one to you. Just put it up there and hold it for a minute till, till they get there. All right? Good. Second Kings, or I'm sorry, First Kings chapter 17 gives us a story of Elijah. And we'll come to some of those verses in just a moment. I want to just back up and give a little bit of a review of what we talked about last Sunday night, and then we'll pick up and continue and finish up on God's purposes. God gives us four purposes for money in the Word of God. And uh, as we started last Sunday night, we talked about three basic factors that are involved in being financially free. One of the problems that we face in America is, is that many of God's people are in debt and do not have financial freedom, and so we oftentimes struggle in this area in our lives. The Lord said in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15, He said, Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. In 2 Chronicles 16, and verse 9, He says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards Him. And God is looking for people who will be obedient to Him. We talked about that a little bit this morning in doing what God wants us to do in our lives. Obey, just simply say, yes, Lord, to whatever He has for us. So what is God's purpose for money? Three basic factors that are involved in being financially free. The first factor is giving. In being, becoming financially free, we have to learn how to give. We start out by giving our tithes and our offerings. Malachi 3.10 says, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. And the Lord said, prove me now herewith. See if I'll not open you the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing that there, not, there shall not be room enough to receive it. We bring our tithe. The tithe is 10% of our income and of our increase. We bring it to the Lord and give to him. And so he says, bring your tithes and we bring our offerings as well. Giving activates the work of God in our finances. When we are obedient to the Lord and we give, we begin to see God get involved in our finances. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, the Lord said, Give, and that shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Sometimes people think when we talk about giving, all we're concerned about is getting your money. The reason we want you to learn how to give is because God says give and it will be given to you. We want you to have God's blessings. We want God to open the windows of heaven in your life. And so giving must begin with our tithes and offerings that we give to the Lord. By giving, we invest treasures in heaven. The Bible says in Matthew 6.20, where thieves do not break through and steal. Giving also increases our love to God because Matthew 6.21 says, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where our treasure is, there our heart will be. Our heart follows our treasure. So if we're giving to the Lord, our heart follows that, and it increases our love for the Lord. And then we're to give to the poor to help with the necessities of life. Proverbs 19.17 says, He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. God says when we give to help the poor, it's lending to the Lord, and God will repay us for that. And then we give to Christians. Romans 12.13 says, Distributing to the necessity of saints, giving to hospitality. 
So the first principle or the first factor in being financially free is giving, learning to give. The second one is receiving. Now, we like that receiving part. Sometimes we think, don't talk about so much of the giving, talk more about the receiving, but you'll not have the receiving if you don't learn how to give. We receive through diligent labor. God blesses us, gives us jobs. He says in 2 Thessalonians 3.12, Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. So we learn to work and, and to get a job and make a living, support our families. And then we, give, we receive through creative resourcefulness. God gives us ideas and God gives us ways and God helps us to be creative in various things. He says in Philippians 4, 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. One of the ways we become resourceful is we learn to ask God and talk to God about our needs. We let them know, and then God helps us to know how to meet those needs. In Philippians 4, 19, he says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. As we honor God in our giving and as we're faithful to give to, to the work of the Lord, he says that he'll provide and meet our needs. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So we learn to give, we learn to receive. The third thing, the third factor in being financially free is learning how to manage, managing, managing our finances. And God gives us the privilege of doing that. Once a week, we meet together and we bring our offerings and we give to the Lord and we honor Him. And then we have to learn how to build sales resistance because we have all kinds of television commercials and all kinds of things around us that are constantly bombarding us to try to get us to buy the new product or the new gadget or some new thing. And the Lord said in Proverbs 3.28, Say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by, thy, by thee. God wants us to learn to, to build up sales resistance against those who are constantly bombarding us. And we just went through Christmas time, and we faced a lot of that. You know, you couldn't hardly turn the TV on without seeing a, a whole bunch of uh, commercials in there to get you to buy something new. So what are God's four purposes then for money? What, what is God doing in our life? We read here in 1 Kings chapter 17 Elijah was commanded by God to flee to the brook at Cherith in the wilderness. And Elijah obeyed God, and the result was that in obeying God, he was, he was protected from the wrath of wicked Queen Jezebel. And then God miraculously fed Elijah by the ravens there at the brook. Every morning they brought food to him. Every evening, twice a day, they brought food. I... I think God sent the ravens by the king's palace, and I think they picked up the T-bone steaks off of the table and brought them to Elijah and fed him down there by the brook. During those months, Elijah overcame severe depression in his life. He found rest for his body and rest for his mind. He enjoyed intimate fellowship with the Lord, and he experienced the daily evidence of God's miraculous provision during the severe famine that was faced in the land at that time. But... Soon, the brook dried up, and although God could have miraculously provided more water in that brook and let it run again, instead he used the lack of provision as a signal that he wanted Elijah to change directions. And God then commanded Elijah to go to Zarephath, and again Elijah obeyed God. And later, after he obeyed, he understood God's purpose for the move. 
You see, God has promised special care for widows and for orphans. And the widow at Zarephath had only enough food for one more meal for her and for her orphan son. And God directed Elijah to instruct her to make a meal for him first. Elijah, put Elijah first, put the man of God, put God first. And she obeyed. And because she did obey, God miraculously provided food for her and his provision lasted for over a year until the famine had ended. The widow's obedience allowed her to discover and understand a very important principle, and that is this. When we give our assets to God first, he causes the remainder of our assets to meet our needs. When we put God first, he lets the rest of our assets meet the needs that we have. This widow also discovered the rewards of thanksgiving and fellowship that comes through meeting the needs of others. It's always a blessing when we get to help meet the needs of other people. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. And God allowed her to, to abound to the good works that he had provided and enabled her to do. And so God's purpose for money, it's not to provide security, it's not to establish independence or to create power and influence in our life. So what is his purpose for money? The first one we talked about was his purpose is to provide for our basic needs. God gives us money so that we can have the basic needs that we, that we need. Here in 1 Kings chapter 17, if you look at verse number 4, it says, And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. You know, there's only a few things that are basic in our needs in our everyday life. We need to have certain things. We need to have food. We need to have clothing. We need shelter. And that's pretty much the basic things that we need to maintain life. Over in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord talks about the sparrows, and he talks about the flowers of the field and how God provides for them. And he says, we're of much more value than those. He'll provide for us the basic needs that we have for our life. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 8, he says, And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Boy, I wonder how many of us would really be content if that's all we had, food, clothing, and shelter. If just those three things, you know, we have a lot more than that, don't we? God's blessed us. He's been good to us. But he says, if you have the basic needs, God's purpose for money is to provide our basic needs, and he wants us to be content with that. Now, what is God's wisdom about this purpose of providing our basic needs? Several things. First of all, he wants to establish daily dependence upon him. God wants us to every single day look to him to provide for us. Since the beginning of time, mankind has, intent, has attempted to become independent from God. One of the problems with America is we've been so blessed, we don't need God. And many people think that they can make it on their own. However, God taught us when he gave us the model prayer, he said, give us this, what? Day, our daily bread. He knows that daily needs produces daily dependence upon God. Now, in some cases, we, we get our paycheck once a week or once a month. Maybe we should pray, Lord, give us this week our daily needs or give us this month our daily needs. But God wants us to understand that it is him, it is he that provides and we're to depend upon him. 
He wants to establish daily dependence. And then he wants to deepen our love for the Lord. As God supplies, we need him and we love him. When we fail to recognize our need for a specific person, we tend to lose our love for that person. And when we fail to recognize our need for the Lord, we fail to lose our love for him. God created us to need him. He wants you to need him. We are only complete in Christ, and apart from him, the Bible says we can do nothing. Without me, ye can do nothing. We need him every single day of our life. And then also to develop a spirit of gratefulness. God wants us to depend on him daily for our basic needs so that we learn to be grateful. Gratefulness is a delightful byproduct of contentment with basic needs. When I'm contented with what God has given me, I can give thanks to him and praise him for what he's provided. We begin to lose that in our lives, that spirit of gratefulness, when we're not content. And we become discontented a lot of times because we start comparing what we have with what other people have. Instead of saying, God's provided what I need, we look at what somebody else has and we think, boy, if I had that or if I had all they have. No, God's provided for you what you need. Thank him. Be grateful for what he's provided. And then also to teach us, and I know this is hard for us, to learn to live within our means. You know, it's a pretty simple formula. You spend or give out less than what you take in. Amen? Live within our means. One of the reasons America is in such trouble. How many trillions of dollars are we in debt now? It's, it, it's unbelievable. And as families, if we aren't careful, we can get so far in debt. And debt puts a great burden and stress on our marriages and our homes and our families. And so God wants us to learn to live within our means. A contented person feels wealthy because he knows that he already possesses all that he needs for his daily life. In 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6, the Bible says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. So God's purpose, his first purpose for money is to provide our basic needs. The second purpose is to confirm direction. God uses money in our lives to confirm the direction that he wants us to go, what we, he want us, wants us to do. Look back at 1 Kings chapter 17 again. Look down at verse number 7. It says, and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zion, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. The water dried up in the brook. And God used that to give direction to Elijah to go somewhere else. He said, go to the woman at Zarephath. And it's interesting, if, you, if you're in the habit of marking in your Bible, underline, or circle or underline that word there. He says in verse number 9, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. God said, I want you to go there. And then he says, Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Verse 10, So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there. Circle that word again. You see... God will provide for us what we need when we are there where he wants us to be. He told him where to go. He gave them direction, and he was willing to change directions, to go from the brook to the, the widow, and there God provided and met his needs. 
And so God wants to convert, confirm direction for our life. And God will use the supply of money or the lack of money to confirm his direction for many of the decisions that we make in our lives. If you're praying about something that is, you think is God's will, if it is God's will, God will provide for it. If it is not his will, he may well withhold the funds and you can say, well, I'm not supposed to get the credit card out or I'm not supposed to take a big loan to be able to do this thing or get that thing that I want. If God hasn't provided for me, then he's giving me some direction for my life. What is God's wisdom in this particular purpose for money? First of all, it's to build our faith and vision. God wants to build your faith in him. Faith is discerning what God wants to accomplish in and through your life. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says there, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark. Every one of us should visualize how we can advance the work of God and what we will allow God to accomplish through our life that will build up Christians and will benefit the kingdom of God. When God gives to us clear direction and confirms it through his word, he will provide whatever we need to accomplish that thing that he's led us to do. Where God guides, God will also provide. And if he's guiding you, he'll provide for you. In contrast to faith, presumption is deciding what we want to accomplish and then trying to get God to do it for us. You see, it's not a matter of what do I want to accomplish. It's what does God want to do in and through my life. And so God wants to build my faith and my vision to trust him, to look to him. And then secondly, to determine who is Lord in our life. God uses finances, provides for us, so that we will see who is Lord. It's easy for us to claim that Jesus Christ is Lord of our life. However, his lordship is only confirmed when we are obedient to the direction and the limitations that he places on our life and on our decisions. Am I willing to do what God wants? Am I willing to follow his direction? Is he Lord or am I Lord? You see, when we get saved, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We call on him as our Lord. We put him on the throne in our life. But oftentimes in our life as Christians, we move the Lord off of the, of the throne and put us back on the throne. And God will use finances in our life to confirm direction so that we know who is Lord. Are we Lord? Are we going to follow his direction? Or are we going to follow our direction? And then thirdly, to protect us from harmful items. You know, sometimes God will withhold funds from you because he wants to protect you from something. And you may not know what it is right now. Later on, you may look back and say, boy, I'm sure glad God didn't answer that prayer. How many of you lived long enough to thank God for unanswered prayer? Amen. Some things we wanted, some things we thought, some things we prayed about. God didn't answer. He was protecting us from some harmful item. In 1 Timothy 6 verse 9, it says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drowned men in destruction and perdition. God will protect us. You know, one of the reasons why God hasn't made many of us very, very wealthy is because we couldn't handle it. 
He's protecting us. You know, you think, boy, if my ship would come in someday, you know. I think my ship sunk at sea a long time ago, so I'm not worried about my ship coming in. But I've got something better than a ship coming in. I've got the Lord, and he's promised to provide and to meet my needs. And I can trust him. And he will hold and withhold finances sometimes to protect me from things that I'm not even aware of, I don't know about. See, God can see the whole picture, can't he? He knows what will happen if I do this, what will happen if I don't. God knows everything that ever has happened. He knows everything that ever could happen. And he protects us from harmful items. And then he also uses finances to teach us patience. Having to wait for God to provide funds is one of the ways that God builds patience in our life. We pray. We wait. We live in a society and in a world when we want everything now. Lord, give it to me now. Give me patience, but give it to me now. We're in a microwave society. We just heat things up quickly. We want everything. Boy, we, we turn on the water faucet and the water's right there. We don't have to go to the well and pump it anymore or draw it out. We want everything right now. And God sometimes has to withhold funds to teach us to wait on him. James chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and mature, wanting nothing. God will use the finances to provide patience and teach us patience. And then there's a third reason God has money for us and uses money to provide our basic needs, first of all. Secondly, to confirm direction in our life. Thirdly, so that we can give to Christians. God gives me finances. He gives you money so that we can give to other Christians. Look back at our text again in 1 Kings chapter 17 and look down at verse number 9 again. In verse 9, he said to Elijah, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, here's the interesting thing. This widow woman was going to sustain Elijah. She was going to have the food that Elijah would need. She only had enough for one more meal. And you know the story. She made Elijah first the cake, the meal, and then she had enough for her and her son. And it was gone, nothing left. But the next meal came, and there was meal in the barrel again and oil back in the cruise. God provided meal for, an, for another, food for another meal. And they ate that, and it was gone. They went the next time, and he, God didn't just fill the barrel full. Each time he put enough in for the next meal and the next meal. And God used the widow woman to provide for Elijah. But no, wait a minute. God used Elijah to provide for the widow woman. Elijah said, make me a cake first. If she hadn't obeyed God and made the cake first for Elijah, there wouldn't have been the multiplication of the food, of the provision. So Elijah needed the widow and the widow needed Elijah. And when God leads us to help other Christians, we need those Christians, and those Christians need us. In Romans chapter 12, verse 13, he says, Distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Our gener generosity will determine how much spiritual light we have within our being. If we have a greedy eye, a selfish eye, then the Bible says our whole body is filled with with spiritual darkness. 
But if we have a generous eye, the whole being will be filled with spiritual light. In Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 22, he says, He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye, and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. He that hasteth to be rich. You know what's one of the big ways people haste to be rich today? Buying lottery tickets. Well, if I could win the lottery, have all that money, and God says, you haste to be rich, you've got an evil eye. Consider that poverty is going to come upon you. Proverbs 22, verse 9, He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth of his bread to the poor. Again, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 and 23, he says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. You see, when we are stingy, when we have that single eye that he talks about there, he says, when the light of the body is the eye, if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. When our eye is single and it's focused on the Lord and on what he wants, our body's filled with light. But if our eye is evil, we're filled with darkness. He goes on in Matthew 6 and verse 21, and he says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your tre- when our treasure is invested in other Christians. God says that's where our heart is. We care about, we love about helping God's people. In Luke 16, 11, he says, If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, that's talking about money, the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? The true riches of the word of God. God says if he can't trust you with money, how can he trust you with the word of God? I wouldn't want somebody teaching a Sunday school class or pastoring a church or being a missionary who didn't tithe and who didn't use their money wisely because God said, if I can't trust you with your money, I can't trust you with the word that's even more valuable than money. And then also, what is God's wisdom in this purpose? Providing finances for us so that we can give to Christians. What's God's purpose for that? There's several things. First of all, God does that to unite Christians. God wants us to unite. He he wants us to need each other. In the early days of the church, the Jewish people had no special dealings with the Gentile people. And socially, they did not do things together or work together. And when a severe famine came that caused many of the Jewish Christians to suffer, the Apostle Paul urged the Gentile churches to collect an offering for the Jewish Christians. And that offering was an important means that tore down the barriers between the Jew and the Gentile and built bonds of genuine Christian love between each of those groups. And it was the basis for Christian giving. And that's explained for us in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 14. The Lord said, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want that there may be an equality. In other words, the believers at Jerusalem were primarily Jewish people, and they had a famine, and they needed, they, they needed food and money to live on. And the Gentile churches, Paul encouraged them to take offerings and send to the Jewish believers so that their needs were taken care of. And so, as they did so, 
their supply, they had plenty, and they were able to help these over here who had the need. And Paul said, that's so that someday you're going to have a need, and they're going to have plenty, and you're going to help them. See, God takes us through different phases and stages in our life and seasons in our life. And sometimes we have more, sometimes we have less. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be what? To be content. And God has, if God has blessed you with more, that's so that you can help others. That's not so that you can hoard up and store up. For you, that's so that you can help to finance the great commission of getting the gospel around the world and to help other Christians. And then also, not only is it to unite Christians, but it's to demonstrate the mark of a Christian. When we give to other Christians, that's the mark of a true believer. Titus 2.14 speaks of Jesus, and it says, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. One of the marks of a true Christian is he's giving. Just as God the Father gave his only begotten Son the greatest gift that could ever be given, aren't you glad God sent Jesus? Every one of us would be on our way to hell tonight forever if we didn't understand that God so loved us he sent Jesus to die on the cross and pay our sin debt so that we could be forgiven and have eternal life. And we put our faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary. He's forgiven us of our sins. God gave his son, and he says, now I want you, since you're my children, I want you to have the same characteristic in your life. I want you to give to others. I want you to care about others. It demonstrates the mark of a true Christian. And then thirdly, to invite spontaneous thanksgiving. To invite spontaneous thanksgiving, when we give to Christians, it gives us the opportunity to give thanks to God, first of all, because He has provided for us so that we can give, and secondly, because we have the wonderful privilege of meeting the need of somebody else. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 11 says, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes causeth through us thanksgiving to God. It invites spontaneous thanksgiving. When you meet the need of somebody else, another believer, and they're struggling, and God uses you to meet that need, they don't have to know where it came from or who provided it. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But that person will give thanks to God for God providing for you. I've had twice in my Life, when a, another Christian has bought me a brand new car. And many times I've gone to get in the car and I've said, thank you, Lord, for so-and-so who provided this for me. Thank you, Lord, for them being used of you. And that person's in heaven now. And, and I can't go thank them personally, but I can thank God over and over and over and over again for how he provided for me. And when you give to others, you enable them to give thanks to God for his answering their prayer and providing their needs. And then also to multiply the potential for giving. You see, God compares giving to planting a harvest. And when we give, we multiply the potential to give more. In 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6, he says, But this, this I say unto you, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. 
as we give much, God says we're going to reap much. If we give a little, we're going to reap a little. Just a very simple example, if you take a couple of little kernels of corn and you place them in the ground, those kernels of corn will produce a stalk that will come up, and that stalk will have two or three ears of corn on it. And those two or three ears of corn will have up to a thousand kernels of corn. Come for one or two or three seeds. One particularly that's put in the ground can produce a thousand. God said, you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. If I get a thousand kernels of corn from one seed, then if I plant a hundred seed, I'm going to get a hundred thousand kernels of corn. And God says the same principles too and true in our giving. If I give a little bit, I'm just going to have a little harvest. But if I give a lot, God's going to give me a big harvest. There's going to be much that will come as a result of it. So God's purpose for money is to provide my basic needs. It's to confirm direction for my life. It is to give to Christians. And, and fourthly, it is to illustrate God's power. Aren't you excited when God shows his power? When God shows up and does something amazing. If you look over at the book of James in the New Testament, chapter 5 with me, I want you to look at verse 17 there. James chapter 5 and verse number 17. And notice what God says. He says, Elias, or Elijah, we read of him back in 1 Kings 17, was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. God says Elijah was a man just like you and me. And he said he prayed, and God stopped the rain. He prayed, and God opened the windows of heaven and sent the rain. 